Hello, my friends. I am back to share a message with you that I'm very, very excited and anxious in the best way possible to share with you. I really wanted to get on this sooner, but I just felt God telling me to wait. I feel like I had something prepared and I had a theme or an idea of what I wanted to share. And God said, no, it's not time yet. Get back in the word. Dig a little deeper. Read more. Listen. And when it's time, I will let you know. And so a few days had gone by. I think my last podcast was on Thursday. And then it was Easter Friday, and then we had all the fun Easter weekend activities. I hope you were all very blessed over the weekend, celebrating the resurrection of our Savior. And yesterday went by, and I just felt I needed to really dive into the scriptures um, and read a little bit about the history of what I'm going to share in my next message. But today, I am going to share a little backstory to prepare you for that next message. And in that next message, I am going to talk about Elijah, who was one of the greatest of Israel's prophets. He had a single-minded commitment to God and was sent to confront the people and not comfort them. We'll learn that he was isolated from others and yet had a very intimate relationship with the Lord. He saw miracles and wonders. And though the Lord... spoke to him in mighty ways. He also spoke to him through whispers. And in the story of Elijah, we're going to look at his life as an example to remember God's goodness. In times that we are in despair, times when we feel lonely and rejected, But Elijah had a mission. And again, we're going to look at his life as an example in the next podcast. But first, I felt it was so important to give you a little background as to why he came onto the scene. So that's what we will talk about today. I wrote this last night. I was up probably close until 1 a.m. I felt compelled to share this with you. And so as I dove back into the scriptures and read and just tried to understand the story, the history of why these prophets had to come 
into the picture so dramatically, so drastically. I knew I had to share this with you. So we're taking a little detour today. And I hope you will be blessed by with by it. And next time you return, I promise we will get into the story of Elijah. But first, we're going to go back a few chapters before he comes to the scene and talk about that. Now, if you haven't listened to my first two podcasts, I highly encourage you to do that. Please, I ask that you would because each one of these messages will build upon the last. And I know it may seem like I'm going kind of a little off the rail here. But like I've said before, please bear with me. I promise it will all come together. By the time we are finished with the series, you're going to see God's faithfulness through all of it. You're going to see how it all works together for the good. We recall the time of Judges when Samson, which we talked about in the first podcast, among other judges were appointed to rule over and bring judgment to Israel for their disobedience to God. But because Israel had suffered from corrupt priests and judges, the people wanted a king to be organized like their surrounding nations. Enter a strong, tall, handsome, and humble man named Saul, who showed great promise to, the, to Israel. Though God did not intend to give Israel a king, he fulfilled the requests of the Israel people and chose Saul as the first king of their land. Samuel, the last judge, appoints Saul as king. The spirit of the Lord came upon Saul, and Saul displayed great leadership and bravery early in his reign. Unfortunately, establishing this monarchy did not solve Israel's problem. Saul quickly disobeyed God, and while Saul was still on the throne, Samuel anointed David as the next king, taking away Saul's kingship. And you can read about this in 1 Samuel 15 and 16. Now, I think it's important to note that this is the same David that defeated Goliath. Most of you may know that story, but if not, you can read it in 1 Samuel chapter 17. David happened to be the very close friend and companion of Jonathan, who was Saul's son. Now Samuel, who would appoint a king to replace Saul, did not see David fit to be next as king. Perhaps David was young and short and scrawny, and Samuel expected to anoint someone who looked as impressive as Saul. 
After all, David was just a shepherd's boy and not the heir of a mighty king. But the Lord tells Samuel in 1 Samuel 16:7, Do not look at appearance or at physical stature, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Again, that's in 1 Samuel 16, 7. We learn here that God judges people by their faith and character, not their physical appearances. Think about that. How much time and energy do we spend maintaining our outward appearances every day or every week? Shouldn't we do more to develop our characters and the attitudes of our hearts? We often display our best outwardly. Think about social media, how we act in public, how we look in church or any other places that we may put time and energy and effort into showing the best version of ourselves. What parts of us do we like to show the most? Yet in many cases, despite our glowing outward appearances, our insides are rotting away. God does not want our superficial commitment. He wants us to have a genuine, heartfelt devotion to him. He desires to guide all aspects of our lives, our activities, our values and goals, including how we raise our children and influence those around us. Think about the influences in your life. Think about the company you keep, the movies you watch, the music you listen to. Jesus tells us like it is in Luke Chapter 6, verse 45. He says, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Again, that's referenced in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. And that was the New Living Translation version. Though you may be putting on an appearance that looks good, what kind of words flow out of you? Are they life-giving words? Are they encouraging? Are they breathing life into the soul surrounding you? Or do your words seep out the decay that hides within? 
As I recently began examining myself to see if I'm true in the faith, I started to recognize anger and bitterness and resentment in my heart. I shared a little bit about this in my recent podcast. But I've recognized how holding on to those sinful feelings have hindered me in my life and in my relationship with God. These feelings come out in my words to my husband and to my kids and to others that I'm close enough to through my grumbling and my complaining and my woe is me stories to the very people I should be shining my light of Jesus onto instead. Though I may put on my best display with my friends and other people, I started to see the person I really am when others aren't around. I recognized my outward self was very different than my inner self, and that my inner self is not who I desire to be. That inner self, harboring those harsh feelings, feelings of anger, bitter, bitterness, and resentment, that is not who God desires me to be. And I know he has better for me, expects better for me, and he provides me with the tools to be better for him and everyone else surrounding me. God does not determine our success or potential based on our position in life, our social or economic status, our outward appearances, our age, or the capacity of our strength. He does not judge us by what we do to impress others or even what we do to impress him by our outward acts of faith. He judges us by the purity of our hearts and our faithfulness to him. He desires that we would obey, serve, and follow him with our whole heart. And when we do, then we will truly experience richness, wisdom, and prosperity. But this success looks very different from the world's view of success. Only the one who truly follows God will understand this biblical success. Saul rebelled against God. He grew jealous over David and became obsessed with killing him to the point of eventually killing himself. We read about this in 1 Samuel chapter 31. Saul looked good on the inside. I'm sorry. Saul looked good on the outside, but he rotted on the inside. Saul was strong in stature, but weak in faith. He was rich in earthly treasures, but spiritually bankrupt. He gave orders, but never earned the respect 
or allegiance, allegiance of his army. What matters to God is someone with a strong character and their faith and trust in him. It is not our outward observances. Saul would set the stage for the kings coming ahead of him. These kings would live in sin and rebellion, but in these stories, we will also see God's love, mercy, compassion, and forgiveness for those who turn back to him. We see that in David's story especially, which you can read about in 2 Samuel. But despite David's failures, he was considered a man after God's heart. And we know that by reading his story in 1 Samuel chapter 16 through 1 Kings chapter 2. We also read about his faithfulness in the Psalms. It's no surprise that David's son, Solomon, would become the next king. And this brings us to the book of 1 Kings. It starts out as Solomon is appointed as king. Now, most of us may know Solomon as the wisest and richest man to ever live. I don't think he has Bill Gates beat, but we don't really know. But the historical account of Solomon is recorded in the book of 1 Kings, so you can go there to read more about him in detail. But what I want to mention is that with his riches and wisdom, came great responsibility. Unfortunately, Solomon got caught up in idolatry. He was worshiping other idols and he was seduced by his 1,000 women to worship them. I'm not even exaggerating. It's recorded in 1 Kings chapter 11 that this guy had 700 wives of royal birth from other nations and another 300 concubines. This dude had 700 wives and 300 side chicks. You hear that? It's hard to even fathom that. But these relationships, among other acts of Rebellion led to the fall of his kingdom. His son, Rehoboam, I hope I'm saying this right. I forgot to go and listen to the pronunciation. So bear with me if I say any names wrong here. Rehoboam would succeed Solomon and continue the legacy of sin and rebellion. First Kings 14.22 speaks of 
Solomon's successor, his son, Rehoboam. Now Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord during this king's reign. And they provoked him to jealousy with their sins. They provoked the Lord to jealousy with their sins, which they committed more than all their fathers had done. Though Rehoboam inherited a mighty kingdom with all the riches and honor he could ever desire, he did not recognize why he had so much or how it had been obtained. Instead, he chose to worship statues and other idols. Hence, we recognize the Lord's jealousy or why the Lord was jealous. Because this king had forgotten him. And just like our loved ones don't ever want to be forgotten, or we don't want to be forgotten, the Lord certainly does not want us to forget him. As a result, God allowed Israel and Judah to be invaded by their enemies. And just five years after Solomon died, the temple palace was ransacked by foreign invaders. Because the people became spiritually corrupt and immoral, participating in prostitution and other detestable acts, they lost everything. They chose wealth, idol worship, and immorality over God. When we choose things over God, no matter how valuable or comforting they seem, we are choosing to live apart from God and the blessings he has for us. You would think that these kings would have learned their lesson. But just like us in our persistence to rebel against the plans God has for us, kings continued to rebel against God, king after king. Again, I'm I'm going to go down a list of kings that were appointed after Solomon and Rehoboam. Please forgive me if I do not say these names correctly, if you know the right pronunciation. Again, I forgot to go back and confirm how their names are pronounced, but I'm going to go down the list anyway, and you can read about them if you'd like. In 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 3, Abijah. Abijah, A-B-I-J-A. He was the king of Judah. This is what the scriptures say about him. He committed the same sins as his father before him. And he was not faithful to the Lord God, his, the Lord his God, as his ancestor David had been. Nadab, the king of Israel, he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. And followed the example of his father, continuing the sins that Jeroboam had led Israel to commit. 
That's in 1 Kings 15, 26. Baasha, king of Israel, he did what was evil in the Lord's sight and followed the example of Jeroboam, continuing the sins that Jeroboam had led Israel to commit. That's in 1 Kings 15.34. Now Jeroboam and Rehoboam are two different people. I believe they were enemies, but I forget that whole story. And I didn't elaborate here. But again, you can go back to 1 Kings and you can read about this a little more in detail if you'd like. Elah, king of Israel, son of Baasha, he caused Israel to commit sins against God. Elah and Baasha had provoked the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, with their worthless idols. That's talked about in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 13. Zimri, king of Israel, for he too had done what was evil in the Lord's sight. He followed the example of Jeroboam in all the sins he had committed and led Israel to commit. That's in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 19. Omri, or Omri, king of Israel, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, even more than any of the kings before him. 1 Kings 16.25 Ahab, king of Israel, and son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, even more than any of the kings before him. 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 30. Whew! That is an exhaustive list of evil. Did you take note how the evil increased with each king? In the last two kings that's mentioned, it said they did even more evil than any of the kings before them. You may be wondering what could have been so evil that the Lord would be so angry and jealous. You may want to note that these kings and their people were worshiping gods that represented lust, sensuality, and even child sacrifice. In these times, it was likely they were offering their own children to their gods as sacrifices in their idolatrous rituals. Their acts were vile and detestable. And though you might be disgusted to imagine this type of worship, Consider for yourself, what do you put before God? Think again about your influences, the movies you watch, the music you listen to and sing along with, the activities you pursue, 
the video games you play, and the language that you speak. What you choose to pursue and speak is what you choose to worship over God. Those are the idols in your life. We may not be much different from the idolaters in the times of Israel's and Judah's kings. Though we may not be throwing our children into flames of fire for sacrifice, let's consider what are the influences in their lives, in our children's lives? What are they watching and listening to and playing with? Are we teaching our children to honor God before all else? What about the other people in our lives? Are we proclaiming his goodness, his love, his faithfulness, that they may follow his ways and receive the blessings he has for them? If not, we are teaching those around us, including our children, to be idolaters as well. And we really aren't much different than the idol worshipers mentioned previously. Again, God does not measure our external behaviors as much as he sees and knows the intent of our hearts. What are your intentions each day? What are your intentions for the night, the end of the day when you're tired? What do you think of when you first wake up in the morning? What do you do when you first wake up in the morning? What are your plans for the weekend? What are the intents of your heart? Your answer will reveal the idols in your life. Christians, let me ask you. What do you do to worship God besides go to church on Sunday? I know for a long time, I struggled with these questions. I would wake up in the morning, just jump on my phone, read emails, play on social media, rush to get my coffee before my kids get up, or I would just be thrown into the chaos because I didn't take any time to prepare myself for the day. And I'd be angry and yelling at the kids. I'm frustrated. They're demanding breakfast. I haven't had coffee yet. My intentions were to survive the day. I did it all on my own strength. I didn't make time for God. I was robbed of the blessings he had for me. I was miserable. I still struggle with these same things every day. I struggle to get up and spend time with God. At nighttime, I struggle to spend time with God. I just want to sit down 
and watch a show and veg and not think about anything. But as I truly began to examine myself, I started to see the idols in my life. I encourage you to do the same, to evaluate the intents of your heart. Now just think, all of this evil amongst the kings, all of this started with Solomon's minor departure from God's laws. Solomon did not turn away from God in an instant. Over the years, his little sin, his little sin began to grow and it led to his downfall, which led to his son also turning away from God and also being defeated, I believe. And the king that took over him was evil and it was just reign after reign after reign of evil kings reigning over the land and causing the people of Israel and Judah to turn away from God. Oftentimes, it's the smallest of sin in our lives that leads us away from God. We may consider some rebellious acts in our lives so small and so insignificant that we excuse them. Or maybe we ignore them because we don't feel we should acknowledge them or they don't need to be acknowledged. But we must not let any rebellion or sin in our lives go unchallenged. Just imagine a small cell of cancer that goes ignored. One little tiny cancer cell. If you know anything about cancer, you may know that it can spread to the point of taking over the entire body, leading to death. Sin can act in the same manner. We must confess our sin to God and ask him to help us resist temptation to do the things we know we should not do. Solomon had a glorious and powerful kingdom that could have been blessed by God for as long as he remains faithful. God provided Solomon with endless riches, profound wisdom, guidance, and answer to prayers. Yet Solomon allowed sin to creep into his life and it corrupted him and his kingdom. Even Solomon himself wrote in Psalm 127, Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor in vain. Solomon started with a foundation from God, but did not continue to build upon it. Consequently, he lost everything. It is not enough to profess 
faith in God and claim we know him if we choose to walk away from our faith. Through faith, we make a conscious decision and effort to continue seeking the Lord, obeying his commandments and praying to him. Just like love should not be based on a feeling, but rather the choice to love. We must choose to love God through our faith. Hebrews 11, chapter 1 says this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Though we don't know what lies ahead of us, we can hope for the best and trust God to provide us with what he knows is best for us. We can know God's goodness and choose to follow it. That's faith. Has your faith been lacking? Have you let idols in your life turn you away from God? If so, it's never too late to turn to God or to turn back to God. All you have to do is acknowledge that you strayed away. Confess the error of your ways, your acts of rebellion, and the sin that's in your heart and in your life, no, ba- no matter how big or how small, and ask for God's forgiveness. Is there a little sin in your life that grew bigger and bigger and bigger and now it consumes you? Confess it. Is there a little sin in your heart that you're feeling is tempting you to fall into deeper sin? Confess it. There is no better time than now to trust in God because we are not promised tomorrow. Have you secured your place in eternity? Have you restored your broken relationship with God? Have you reconciled with him? Do you feel right with him? I know when I'm walking in sin, even if it's just sin in my heart, those harsh feelings when I'm holding on to those. I don't feel right with God. And it's evident in my life because I'm miserable deep down inside. Though I might look nice on the outside, I'm suffering inside knowing that that's not who I really want to be and that's not who God wants me to be. Is the foundation of your life cemented with God's truths.
start building on that foundation today. Trust in Jesus to absorb the weights of sin that you've been carrying and receive the promises and blessings God has waiting for you. I really just had to exhale on that one because I know this is really heavy stuff. But it's important. It's important that we acknowledge what in our lives is hindering us from growing closer to the Lord. Lord Jesus, I just pray that your spirit would just come upon my friends right now in mighty power, that they would just feel the wave of your spirit flowing through them, that they would recognize the sin in their lives that keeps them from having a pure heart right with you. So many times we we get a little uncomfortable when we hear things like this and, and we ignore it. And, and we might feel a little unsettled, but we just, we just go about our day. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to think about it. I don't have time for that. I'm too stressed. And we lose the opportunity to get right with you, God. There's no other opportunity. There is, but there isn't. Because the time is now to get right with you. We are not promised tomorrow. Anything can happen today. What are we waiting for? Why do we continue making excuses and ignoring the issues in our lives? Why do we continue to go in our own strength? trying to figure things out and solve our problems before coming to you when you're the one who turns messes into miracles. My friends can pray right now for salvation. They can pray right now for restoration. They can pray right now in their hearts and their spirits. They can cry out to you, God. Oh, Lord, forgive me, please. Please just be with me, Lord. Show me your ways. I want to learn. I want to learn from Jesus. I want to walk like Jesus did. Even though we'll never be perfect and sinless, we'll continue to fall and make mistakes. We see this from some of the greatest men of God, that they sinned against you. But they also experienced your abundant provisions and blessings and love and compassion and grace and mercy. You are a, a God who just loves beyond anything our finite minds can comprehend. Your love is great and it's unfailing. And you have promised, you have promised us the riches, not of this world, but of your kingdom, Lord. Please pour out your blessings unto the lives of my friends and all who listen here. Everyone who comes and listens to me is a friend. And so I speak to them like friends that I know and love and care about. 
that they would turn to you, God, because it's that important. I don't care what people think about me. I don't care if people think I'm a Jesus freak or a weird person. Lord, I just want to live for you because I know what you have for me is greater than anything else that the world can offer me. You have shown me that time and time and time again. And as I draw near to you and pursue you, the more I grow closer to you, the more I seek you out, Lord, the more you reveal your power in my life. It is indescribable. I cannot explain the supernatural presence of you in my life, Lord. I cannot explain it. I can only desire that my friends would know it too, Lord. So please come upon them today with great and mighty power. Pour your Holy Spirit on them. Allow the wave of conviction to flow through them to the point of repentance, confessing your sin, confessing their sin to you, Lord, and turning away from it, making a decision to turn away from the idols in their life, from the things that keep them from you. I just cannot emphasize that enough because I just feel so deeply in my heart that these people, my friends, so many of us, we all need to turn back to you, God. We need to stop making excuses. Thank you, Lord, for this message. Thank you. Thank you for waking me up this morning. Even though I went to bed so late, I thought I was going to sleep in. I didn't even know my plans for today. I just thought I was going to be miserable. But, Lord, you just you put this on my heart with power and conviction and passion to share. You got me up, Lord. Even before my alarm went off, I just popped up. I knew this is what you wanted me to share with these people today. I know this is a long prayer, but it's an important prayer. And I just pray that as my friends listen, that, that they would just, it would just stir in their hearts. That it would not be my words that they hear, but yours, Lord. That you would be speaking to them through me. I pray they would respond in obedience and faithfulness. That when they put their phone down, they're done with their podcast. They're they're just ready. They're ready to live for you. They pick up their Bibles. They download the Bible app. They start searching scriptures. They are spurred on to draw closer to you, God. That is my prayer for these people listening. Those already in the faith, those who've strayed away from the faith, and those who are so close to walking with you and haven't really made that conscious choice to pursue you. I'm so excited to share this next message about Elijah. It may be a few days, but I just thank you for this little bit of history I felt was so important today to share. And so prepare me for the next message and the message after that and the message after that, that you would be with me to share the truths that you want my friends to hear. Be with me, Lord, in mighty power. Thank you, Lord, for using me to proclaim your message of truth, hope, love, forgiveness, compassion, and all things good. May these things abound in the lives of those who listen. 
Thank you, Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Grace Fully Speaking. In the next episode, Elijah will step into the scene as we continue with the series, Remembering God's Goodness. I hope you have been blessed by these podcasts so far. I look forward to sharing the next message with you. Thank you.